So I'm going to quickly go on. Uh, there is one thing. We're talking about the pillars of wisdom. I want us to do a smaller uh, thing. What are the seven pillars of wisdom? Uh, can somebody just give me one? The second one? The, no, knowledge. Let's go. Third one? Discussion. Fourth one? Fear of the Lord. Fifth one? Counsel. Sixth one? Understanding. Seventh? Strength. And I told you there is a connection between the seven spirit and the seven pillars of wisdom. Hallelujah. And last Sunday we talked about the spirit of prudence. And I told you that prudence is a quality uh, that makes one person walk according to the realities of the world. Now, I gave you the example of David that was about to go to battle and he inquired of the Lord and the Lord gave him the strategy. That's the spirit of prudence. Hallelujah. And the spirit of prudence is acquired at the feet of the Lord. It means we need to sit at the feet of the Lord and get the spirit so that he can lead us. Because our journey is full of trouble sometimes, and we need to know how to avert the trouble. You know, the spirit of prudence uh, can cause you to avoid an accident. I'm not talking just about careful driving. I'm talking about somebody that is tuned in in the spirit that knows exactly which turn not to take. Hallelujah. So today we're going to the spirit of knowledge because we are, we are studying wisdom. And I told you that the Bible says wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, let's get it. Hallelujah. And the spirit of wisdom has seven legs. And uh, the second is today is the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. Remember we took uh, our reading from the book of Proverbs chapter number 8, verse 12 to 14. That's where we are. And that's where we are talking about the different uh, um, uh, pillars of wisdom. So today is knowledge. Now, I want to define knowledge to you. Knowledge is not just to be intellectually informed about something. That's not, that not just no, what knowledge is. But knowledge is not to be intellectually informed about some principles, but to apprehend and experience the reality of it. To apprehend and experience the reality of something that what we call knowledge. Because there's a knowledge that is a mental ascent. Hallelujah. And that knowledge may not benefit you. Do you know that many people in the church are full of knowledge, but they don't know what to do with it? Or they are full of knowledge, but they don't experience the knowledge. How many people know in the church by Israel, I am healed? But do you know that many don't experience it? It means that there is something that they have not apprehended yet in there. And don't, then they don't live the reality of it. Knowledge. Knowledge. And God wants to move the church to a place of knowledge. Look at what he said in the book of Ephesians chapter number 3 verse 19. Ephesians 3 verse 19 says that, it says so that you may know the love of God which surpasses knowledge for you to be filled with fullness of God. To know. To know. The knowledge he's talking about is to apprehend. Is to comprehend and lay hold on the love of God. And then we are filled with fullness. So your pursuit with God is not just to get the knowledge, but to have a revelation of that knowledge. 
Hallelujah. You know what Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter number 3 verse 10? He says, all that so that I may know him. Amen? And the power of his resurrection and the, 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 the fellowship with his suffering being made conform to his death. So Paul is saying that there is a kind of knowledge that we need to acquire as a Christian. There is a kind of knowledge we need to acquire and that knowledge is not just to just know mentally. It, that knowledge will become reality in our spirit. Hallelujah. And that knowledge can only become reality in our spirit in the presence of God. All this happens in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So, so, so we talk about a kind of knowledge here that, that is acquired not just through studies, but is acquired through spending time with God. So the key that we are talking about today is spending time to God with God to acquire the knowledge. To acquire the knowledge. You see, what amazed me is that many believers read their Bibles occasionally. Hallelujah. We read it occasionally. Okay? If they prescribe a treatment for you and they said that this treatment, if you take it, you will not die. Are you going to take it randomly? No. Come on now. If you know that that thing you have is a killing machine, and they say, but you find the cure, and you take this three times, even they say ten times a day, yeah. eh? ten times a day, you will set your alarm. <laughs> Come on. You set alarm to take medication. <laughs> you know why we are not doing that for the world? Because we don't see the life factor on the world. People don't understand that life depends on the word. They think that life depends on things. Let me tell you something. You are a, you are, you are a, a, your life is a total sum of information. Information that you not only believe, but you lay hold of. That's what your life is dependent on. And many people are reading the Bible like a book. Amen. Listen, the Bible is Jesus being written. You must know that. Whenever you touch your, the word, you are touching the very substance. The word which we have seen, what, which we have handled. So the, as Christians, we can say we handle the word because we touch the word. So it means that your, your, the, the Bible may become the source of your life. Because every problem you go through, the answer is in that Bible. Yeah. Hallelujah. I used to tell the people that everything is created, is manufactured, and there is, a, there is a manual that goes with it. When you buy the TV, they put the manual on top. Amen? When you open the box of everything, you find first the manual. You know what we are telling you? Read it before you handle it. Some people like me, they don't read it. We put the manual aside, and then we start to do it ourselves. I know there are many like me in you there. How many people take time to read manuals? 
Sometimes it's written in small letters and stuff. You have a, you have a general idea of how, how that thing can work. And then you do it with your knowledge. And then the funny thing, when you don't find it, you Google, you don't read the manual. Because it's quicker. You look at a video of it instead of reading the manual. But that video is not made by the manufacturer. It's made by somebody that has experienced that thing. And he does not know it as a manufacturer. So what the church does now, the church relies on the knowledge of a preacher instead of sitting with God. And while you don't sit with God, you, give, you get a second-hand information. Uh, because the first-hand information is what you acquire in the presence of God himself. A second information is what comes via somebody to you. Because for me, to make it open to you, I need to experience it first. And when I experience it, I will share it according to my experience. And my experience might not be your experience. And then you have only my experience that you try to put on you and it does not work. And you think the word does not work because you didn't go to the source yourself. So knowledge is acquired from the source. Somebody say amen. amen. So if everything is created and there is a, 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 how do you call it, a manual that goes with it, why do you think God will create men without a manual? When God created you, he gave the manual how to function. It's called the Bible. So if you want to know yourself, you need to read that manual. And if you don't read it, you will not know yourself. You will try to plug yourself in. It does not work. Hallelujah. I'm talking about knowledge that is acquired at the feet of a master. That's the knowledge that gives wisdom. It's acquired at the feet of a master. I love a story I've spoken about before. I love a story where the man of God, uh, Elijah, prayed prayed for a woman and she got a child. And then the child died. And then the woman went to him. And when the woman was coming, he sent his servant. And then when the woman saw the servant, she passed the servant. While the woman went to the man of God, the servant was with the child, with his staff. The child didn't come back. And the woman said to the, servant, to the man of God, unless you go, I'm here with you. She held on the feet of the man of God until he moved. And when he got there, he prayed for the child and the child came back to life. I told you that there are some stuff that you don't need a man of God. You need the man, you need God himself. You need to hear me clearly. That in your daily walk, there are some stuff that you need a man of God. There are some that you don't need a man of God. Some you need God and yourself. Because God wants to download information in your spirit. Hallelujah. Fresh manna from heaven. So that you may be able to walk according to what is downloaded in your spirit. You see, like I said, if you walk with a second-hand information, when there is trouble, you won't be able to resist. Because you haven't apprehended what was said. It hasn't become reality yet. It's knowledge. Most of you, you know many things. Some people say, I know the Bible. You don't know the Bible. You think you know. That's the first deceiving thought you need to cast out of your mind. 
No, we grew up with Bible. Who told you so? I met some people. No, we, we grew up with the Bible. I said, oh, you grew up with the Bible, but Robert didn't grow up with you. <laughs> you think you grew up with it. But the Bible doesn't say you grew up with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say knowledge. knowledge. You know, knowledge will shock you. The kind of knowledge that I'm talking about will shock you because there are different knowledge in the Bible. But the knowledge I'm talking about, when you acquire that, you experience the thing. Amen? Amen? You start to experience it. It does not become a talk anymore. It becomes a lifestyle. Yes. becomes a lifestyle. There are different people in the Bible that came to that knowledge. Remember Paul says, because of the abundance of the revelation that God gave me. He's talking about that type of knowledge. Hallelujah. Because of the abundance of the revelation that God gave him, he talks about the mystery that was hidden for ages was given to me. And the mystery that Paul talked about is a Gentile entering the commonwealth of Israel, being partaker of the olive branch, of the olive tree, being grafted in the olive tree. And God, Paul said, this is a mystery. The reason why I say it's a mystery, if you read Romans chapter 9, you will see what I'm talking about, 9 to 11. The reason why Paul talked about, about that mystery of Gentiles being grafted in the olive tree is because in the beginning, from the Old Testament, the people didn't know that you could be part of the commonwealth of Israel. They thought that God cannot redeem somebody that is away from the household of Israel. Amen. They think people can join themselves to them, but they didn't know that Gentile could actually serve God. Hallelujah. And Paul said, this is a mystery that when God chose Abraham, he chose the Gentile. So the choice of Abraham was a choice of Gentiles also. Because remember, Abraham himself was a Gentile. Yes. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile. Gentile mean people that don't know God. And Abraham didn't know God. And, 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 and when God called him, and, and God took out of him the, 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 the nation of Israel, and, and the nation of Israel came into forefront, and, and, and they didn't re recognize Jesus, they're still waiting for a Messiah. But that nation formed a group, and they thought, we are the only one. And Paul came and he said to them, no, the Gentiles are partakers of this grace through the Spirit. And you know, it was a fight. They didn't want to. They have to have a, a council meeting in uh, Jerusalem for them to decide what must we do with these people. You see, God shocked Peter in the book of Acts 10. Uh, God, Peter was hungry. Sometimes hunger is an entry point for your breakthrough. Peter was hungry, and then Peter went on the roof of a house at 10. And while he was praying, God bring a sheet. And he said, on that large sheet, there were kind of four-footed animals. There were reptiles. And God said to Peter, because you are hungry, eat it. Peter says, I cannot eat anything unclean. Now, look at Peter arguing with God. He had the knowledge uh, that that they shouldn't, shouldn't mix with uncleanness. And when God wants to rectify that knowledge, Peter still resisted. I'm coming down here. Do you know that the church is like that? We have a way of doing what we do. 
And when the Holy Ghost wants to move him, we resist him. Because we say that's not the way we used to do in our church. That's not the way our parents used to do it. But God is ushering a new move in your life. And if you are not flexible in the hands of God, you will miss on God's appointment of your life. Oh, because you are, so, you are so rigid in your own knowledge that you don't give room for God to teach you. Peter said, we can't eat this thing. God said to Peter, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Oh, you don't know that. You, don't, you, are, you understand this revelation? God is saying, anything that is unclean, I'm the one that declared it unclean. So I can declare it also clean. Because, because uncleanness is a function of a decree of God. Yes. When the animal were created, he decreed that this one is unclean and this one is clean. And he came back and said, now, what I've declared unclean, I'm declaring clean. The men say, uh-uh, not so. You declared it unclean. Don't come here and change it. <laughs> Don't, don't come here with your stuff. Uh, you told us it's unclean. How come it became clean? He, he, he didn't eat. Until it was removed. Imagine if Peter had eaten that thing. Look at what would have happened. Peter would have received the revelation that Paul received. He missed on his divine appointment because he was too rigid in his understanding. He was supposed to eat those snakes or whatever it is. If God said, eat it, just close your eyes and eat it, even if you don't like it. Hmm. Several years ago, I went to pray for a guy. I used to say, those days, a lady, she hijacked me. I was with my wife, we were in the house, and we heard a car, and when I came out, she was telling me, she said, I want to talk to you. So I came. She said, no. She was with a driver. She said, no, sit in the car. I want to say something. Then I sat and she closed the door. She said, let's go. I was hijacked. It's, uh, you were in Rebosdale. I didn't know what to do because I was not afraid because she's from the church. So at least. <laughs> and I know she was a godly woman. So she drove me to a farm there. And when we got there, she stopped. She said, I want you to pray for somebody. And we walk into the house, and it was a pig, Afrikaner, pig. The face also looks a bit mean, but big. <laughs> I walk in there, and you know, I'm not a hairy person, but I could feel my skin. <laughs> and this guy sat like this in a chair, and the lady said, pray for this man. I said, what's wrong? They say, he has pain, his knees, they, have, they want to do knee replacement, they have replaced one, but... It's not helping. So I went on the corner of the house and I knelt there. I said, Lord, heal him or take me. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> so I finished to pray and I turned to the man, the man. I put my hands on him. I said, you can stand and walk. The man stood up. When he walked, he started to weep. He started to cry. So like, he said, what have I done to myself? What have I done to myself? And he started to say, you know what? I don't like black people. I didn't know God would use a black man to heal me. Hey, I have stories. <laughs> and then he said to his wife, I want to have tea with this man. And she said, bring the cups. I didn't know what he was talking about, but 
My wife told me they have special caps in the house. It's for special guests. The guy said, bring to this man. We had tea. He asked me, how is your family? And his child was playing with me all the time. He said, when we were coming, he hugged me. He said, I've done this to myself. He didn't know that what he called unclean was clean. And the answer, the answer was coming from a vessel that looks different to him. But his knowledge of that vessel is not good. Maybe for him, those vessels are thieves and killers. But God says, no, out of the uncleanness, out of the uncleanness, I will take forth my glory so that the weak thing will make, will put to shame the strong. So Peter refused to eat and God went to Paul. Yes. Now, in Act 10, Peter went to pray for the Gentile. And he didn't connect the revelation to these people. When we were baptized, he said, oh, so can we receive, refuse water baptism to these people? Since they have been baptized the same way, he didn't click to say, oh, that's what God is showing me. That God is telling. And now he, at the end, he bought into it. And he said, in Act 15, God showed me that we shouldn't call unclean what he has called clean. Some of you, maybe you have missed on what God is doing because of what you know. Hallelujah. And you need to learn from God. He said, come and buy from me. You need to learn from God. But I say it happened at the feet of Jesus. And you need to value the words. That wisdom, someone that values the word of God, that knows that this word is important, and this word is my life. So without this word, I'm dead. Oh, guys, I want you to have that mindset that without the word, I'm dead. Because the word is the substance of your life. And don't read the word with that Funny expectation that something will come. <laughs> Don't read me that. You will be discouraged. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't read me that. Because when you take medication, you don't take it like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You take medication because it's medication. Read the word because it's the word. Read it because you know this is where life is. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you read it in that knowledge, life happens to you. I want to awaken you to that reality. I say I want to awaken you. People are weak in the church because they are weak in the words. Now, when they even know the word, it's a mental knowledge. They don't allow the word to drop in their spirit in order to change them from the spirit side. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, you can even sing a song with that. But what is the meaning of that? What does it mean to you as an individual? What does it mean to you? When they say Jesus died for your sin, what does it mean to you? Do you actually have a revelation of that statement 
you know what we do? We are using the word as uh, somebody uses uh, uh, to paint a house. You see, when you paint a house, you can hide the marks, but with time it comes back. Hmm? So sometimes we read the word for a situation. I need a breakthrough, so I Google breakthrough scriptures. And then I, I learn the breakthrough scriptures. I need healing, healing scripture, pa, pa, pa. Healing scriptures. My children is misbehaving. You Google scripture about promises concerning children. Pa, read it. Now you have all these things in small packages, but they don't connect. So you don't even know what you are talking about. You know only by stripe I am healed, but you don't know the power of redemption. You don't know why they say that. You don't know the exchange, the meaning of the exchange. You don't know what God did by coming to earth. You just know by stripe I am healed. So when you say by stripe I am healed, devil says, says who? And then you are there, you don't know what to say. You, 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 you take scripture, pa, 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 power of the blood. You don't know what the blood means in the Old Testament. You don't know why God started with blood and until the New Testament and the, that way you understand. This is what we call knowledge. Amen. We're talking about a holistic knowledge where you know it from God's perspective. Not from a human perspective. Amen. Today I want to challenge you. Hallelujah. Amen. I say I want to challenge you. Amen. It's like me. I, I, I work with, with GPS, so I refuse to know stuff. You know, I've been to the Johannesburg airport how many times? But without GPS, I still can't go. You know why? Because I've become lazy. I don't take point of reference anymore. I just look at the lady that talks there. You have arrived. You turn left. You turn right. Then, then that's what I'm losing. So if the lady is shut down, I can't. But when you go to Johannesburg, from the entry point, there are boards that tell you where to go. But you know, we refuse to follow the boards because it's too difficult. So we want to just drive. Turn left, turn right, and sometimes we miss, and they say, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. Then you, you, you go, U-turn. But the board was there, and that board is unchangeable. It's there forever. You can follow the board and arrive to your destination. Or you can follow a machine, and sometimes it's broken. One time we went to Johannesburg, we were going to the airport, took us somewhere, we end up in the felt, and they say, you have arrived. We look at left, right. It's a farm. Ha! Where, we are, where have we arrived? <laughs> so instead of loose reading the word, you are listening to tapes of preaching. You are, you are reading. You know what you do? You read books with the Bible. So you read your books. And when there is a scripture, you come and check in the Bible. Instead of reading the Bible to confirm the book, 
that, that way you come to know if a book is really from God. You absorb everything that everybody says because you have no knowledge of what God is saying. We are, we are more focusing on the experience than the journey to the experience. You understand? Somebody say, I felt the Holy Ghost. But you don't know the journey of that person. And then you come to church, I also want, now, no, you don't understand that between the, there is a sitting place that the person has. You don't understand that that person has an altar of communication with God at home. So when the person comes to church, he's not coming to church just to get, he's coming to church to manifest glory. Now you, you come here, you haven't read your Bible since Sunday, last Sunday. All the scriptures you know is what I told you. <laughs> How can you fight in this life if you don't have a proper weapon? The sword of the spirit that cuts left and right. The sword. We have a weapon. Say we have a weapon. The sword of the spirit. I appeal to you and I'm encouraging you. The Bible says, when you do that, you will not be swayed away by every wind of doctrine. Then you become a man approved by God. Solid foundation. Your, 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 your foundation is solid. Let me tell you something. Most of the time we renovate a house, we don't renovate the foundation. But imagine if the foundation is wrong. There is a big problem. And the foundation is laid by the knowledge of the word of God. Because if you don't have any foundation, you go after every gimmick. Yes, yes, yes. You will cut leaves, put them in water. So if you drink it, you will be healed. You drink it. Because you don't know. He said you are God, but because you don't know and have no understanding, you will die like mere men. Hallelujah. There is also, I want to finish with that. There is a Pharisistic, Pharisistic, Pharisees, Pharisistic knowledge where the man thinks he knows so much you can't talk to him. You He's, he becomes so rigid or whatever in his knowledge that you can't move him away. Hallelujah. There is somebody that was taught that, that God is not speaking anymore, that God only speaks through the Bible because the book of Hebrews says that in olden days I've spoken through the prophets, but now I've, I've spoken through the word. So they conclude that God is not speaking anymore. Like this is John, he speaks through the Bible. And that is the knowledge. And that man was hard. If you say, God told me this, he says, no, it's not God, it's a spirit. Because as far as he's concerned, God cannot speak outside of the voice of the Bible. And I'm telling you, God speaks outside of the voice of the Bible with the character of the Bible. So it means it cannot speak outside without the character of God. Hallelujah. 
So when you know that, when God speaks to you, gives you a rhema word, your first thing is to see if it's consistent to the character of God. You can't tell me that God told me that this married man is my husband. Come on. I will lay hands on you ten times before you get delivered from that demon. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Or, or you say, no, God revealed to me I must take a second wife. <laughs> he heard it. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody spoke. Yeah. But who spoke? Yeah. Say, who spoke? Who spoke? Mm-hmm. We need to look for who spoke. <laughs> Go and look for So when you speak according to God's character, it's consistent to scripture. So today, I just came here to encourage you about knowledge. Acquire knowledge by God's means, not by our own intelligence. There is a worldly knowledge, and there is a biblical knowledge. Now, there is a knowledge that is in the world. God is still giving that knowledge. Let's say, for you to be a teacher, you study to be a teacher. Although you studied, God still needs to give you the knowledge. Because if God does not give you the knowledge, you will teach and you will create pain to the children. It will be a job. It won't be life. I've been to hospital. I see doctors that are called to be doctors and some that are called to have money there. I've seen nurses. I've seen nurses that are born to do that work. And I've seen some that when you go there, they look at you. What do you want? You are in hospital, but when you get there, what do you want? And they are eating, and they are eating the street, and they're sitting there, and they're chatting. Hey, ah. And then they say, ah, I'm a nurse. You're not a nurse. You are something else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there are, there are people that are politicians but ordained by God. There are some that are politicians ordained by people. You know, I have a problem. I have a problem when people say, it's a big problem for me, and I need to confess it. I don't talk about it. When people say, the president that is there, God put him there. I have a problem with that. God is not in voting. It's the voice of people yes. that put him there. Yes. And you say that there is no authority that is not instituted by God. He's talking about the principle, not the person. Yeah. Yes. He's talking about the principle, the seat of governance is ordained by God. But who's sitting is not always God. Yes. yes. Who's sitting there is not always God. So Christian, yes, he's an authority. We must. No, listen, listen. I will pray for him to be ejected. I won't pray to fortify his seat. I'll pray that he may be ejected so that the one that God has ordained sit on the seat. Because the Bible says that when wicked are in power, people are in despair. But when the righteous is exalted, prosperity is in the land. So I want to tell you now, as church, change your mindset. 
every wicked man. You know God put him there. Who told you God put him there? And let come to the place that God put him there. Do you know that every wicked man that God put, he put it for his own glory. He said, I put Pharaoh there to manifest my power. He, put, he said, I put Cyrus there to manifest my glory. Some people are put there by devils. Yes. Yes, I must tell you. I want you to hear my voice, people. If a church is not going to stand up in our authority as Christian and start to, start to, because this is a parliament here. You don't understand what I'm saying. This is a parliament. This is a, this is a gathering of assemblies, the assemblies of, uh, of the people of God that can, that can put law by legislation through prayer. People that can come together and say, Lord, we have seen the, 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 the misery in the land. We have seen people cry, oh God, act on our behalf. And we cry out to God so that the wicked may not prosper in our land. I don't know why I'm saying even this. has nothing to do with my preaching. But I'm here to tell you, hear my voice, people. And because sometimes you've been lied to. Yes. Yes. I'm not saying speak against them. It does not help. Bring them before God. Talk to God. Talk to God about them. Have a chat with God. Say, Father, I'm in this nation. But this thing is wickedness. And we don't want to see wickedness prospering. Lord, invade the land. Heal our land. Now, it will, hey, God knows. He said he has reserved the wicked for the day of judgment. So he knows how he's going to take them out. These are the knowledge I'm talking about. I was talking to my family, and we were talking about the subject. And, uh, uh, I was asked, but can we pray for authority to be removed because God said we must respect them? I say, haven't you read the scripture that says you shall sit to the mountain and shall be removed? Yeah. Don't you know that mountains are a symbol of authority in the Bible? Oh, you don't know that. When the Bible talks about mountain, the Bible is talking about authority. When it talks about horn, it's talking about uh, uh, power and positioning. He said, the mountain of the Lord will be the highest of all the mountains. So there, are, there will be mountains in the country. We call them seven mountains. And in those seven mountains, there will be a mountain that is called the mountain of the Lord. He said that mountain will be higher than all the other mountains. It means that the Lord shall come from that mountain, not the small mountain around. Now we have turned the whole thing onto small mountains that are speaking to Zion. And Zion is going down. And these mountains are shouting loud. And Zion is afraid. We have come to Mount Zion. Oh, somebody understand me. I said we have come to Mount Zion. Uh, to the assemblies of God, where by unity we can trust God for the country to go to the right direction. By unity of the saints, we can trust God for this country to go to the right direction. And I'm appealing to you as, as people, as MPs of the kingdom. Ah, I'm making my case here. I'm making my case. We're going to vote now. <laughs> I'm making my case here. We're going to vote. We're going to vote now. And we're going to say, if you are against, it's fine. We don't blame you. Maybe you get money from that. But 
Because when you benefit from the system, you don't want the system to change. When the system put money in your pocket, you don't want them to change. But you put pocket in your money in your money in your pocket, but takes out of have a pocket, ten pockets out, and you alone gives. It's unjust. Look at how many court cases we have in South Africa for politicians. What is this nonsense? If God has ordained you, walk in a way that pleases God. We have come to Mount Zion. Say, we have come to Mount Zion. Hmm. The book of Daniel says, I saw a small stone that was detached from the mountain. Not out of men's hands. It came and hit what King Nebuchadnezzar has set up as a statue. And he said, hit the leg and broke it down. There is a system that needs to be broken by the knowledge of the kingdom of God. Hear my voice, hear my voice. I'm talking to you today that there is a system that needs to be broken. And that system can only be broken by the power of the kingdom of God. And he said that small stone grew, grew and filled the earth. And he said that stone is the kingdom. Are you from Mount Zion? Yes. So you are standing the highest mountain. Yes. It's not education the highest mountain, it's Mount Zion. No, it's not communication the highest mountain, it's Mount Zion. Because from Mount Zion, Mount Zion should influence communication, education, politics everywhere. From Mount Zion. So we're going to vote now. I've finished my, I raised my case. Uh, you guys can stand. And we're going to say, Lord, we have seen the cry in the land. Yes, we have seen the cry in the land. Father, we are not praying against a government or against a president. We are praying for justice to be established in South Africa. And if somebody is not standing in the way of justice, you will deal with him. Yes. Hallelujah. We want, we want godly, godly leadership. Yes. We want godly governance. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Because out of knowledge, we can pray now. Lord, we want, come in, come in. We want the worship team must come. We're going to remove some mountain this morning. I'm telling you, listen, listen. Oh, you guys think we are joking. This anointing comes upon me once in a while. You all remember our meeting that we did in that building. And the anointing came upon me. I said to my father, we need to remove some people today. Yes. Remember? Yes. And I told him, you have the anointing, come declare. He's caught two or three names. They are all out of power. Yes, yes you can go. The video is there. So I feel that anointing today. I said, I feel that anointing today. Hey! I feel that anointing today. I feel that anointing today. There will be a removal. Yes, I feel it today. Ooh, I want you to lift up your hands and say, Lord, say, Lord, we commit this country into your hands. You are God and you know this country. You know, God has a plan for South Africa and that plan needs to manifest. God has dreamed for this country and it needs to manifest. It cannot manifest if the children of God are not calling it forth. So we are going to say, Lord, we call your plans for South Africa. We call your plan for this country. And we pray that every mountain that fight against the kingdom, let it be removed in the name of Jesus. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. The mountain of the Lord shall be exalted.